What's going on, Forgers? Welcome to Season 3, Episode number 119 of Heroes Forge, a community-driven podcast all about Heroes of the Storm, where we're one episode away from 120. As always, this podcast is brought to you by our outstanding supporters on Patreon.com slash Heroes Forge. This is your show host, Jeff Reynolds, and I'm here with the co-host of the show, who is more awesome than a front-row seat at Heroes of the Dorm, it's Kristen Ashton. I maybe can attest to this, but maybe not. How can I be more awesome? Because I saw you, Jeff, on TV, <laughs> on Twitch, with your friend, and you were there in the front row, and there was so much confetti, I could barely make out that it was you. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say, I mean, I've been to a bunch of these Heroes tournaments, and I think this might have been my largest confetti experience this time. I mean, we were in the very, very front row in the center. We got there super early so that we could be, I mean, we literally had the closest seat you could get to the action and boy was there some action now being that close to the stage could you hear the competitors yelling at one another on their mics could you smell the fear or the the anticipation i don't know i know they keep it cold in there at least (laughs) i could definitely hear them i mean they are louder than you can imagine on twitch i mean they're yelling at each other they're trying to you know get in the right positions telling everybody where to go you can hear the shot callers making the shot calls you know when the draft is going on there are times where you can actually hear the coaches out there like you know talking to them because they all have those nascar like headphones on so they can't hear uh each other but they're talking like at a normal volume so or even maybe even louder because they think they're wearing these headsets so you can hear some of the stuff that was going on and it was really cool it was a really cool learning experience and i definitely want to take a second because i i had a realization while i was there at heroes of the dorm right these these guys are really really passionate about this and they are playing really hard and they're not getting paid to play this game. I mean, if you look at any other collegiate sport, I mean, for the most part, football, basketball, all these things, there's scholarships involved. These people are coming out and they're playing and they're getting to go to school for free and perform their best. These guys are trying their hardest to get to a point where they can get to that, you know, football status and not have to pay for college and, and all this. And it's all riding on this. So, I mean, these guys all played incredibly hard incredibly well the tension was really high the winners and the losers and and everybody that was there you could just feel it that they wanted it so bad now how was the audience split in terms of that right because we had a Canadian team against an American team, right? Laval and Buffalo, correct? Yeah, that was the finals. And uh, surprisingly, there were more Laval fans and actual, you know, people with Canadian flags and stuff in the audience than there were Buffalo fans. Um, But the dynamic with that was pretty good for the most part. Uh, Cal Poly obviously had the biggest showing of fans. And when they lost, the arena kind of cleared out because, you know, (laughs) they weren't going to watch the rest of the tournament but they were the loudest biggest fans there and uh that 
that was interesting too. But the the dynamic for fan wise was really good. I mean, there was it was respectful. Everybody was great. Uh, they had a really great great moment, which I'm not sure that you caught. But one of the players of Buffalo, his dad was there, didn't know anything about the game, and they interviewed him uh, in front of everybody. And it was one of those moments where you just like. Damn, Dad, you're you're pretty you're pretty damn cool. Like this, I'm this, not crying. Yeah, you're crying. The dad was like, you know, I'm just here to support my son. I don't know anything about this game. I I'm just here because it's what my son likes to do, and he's battling it off for college tuition. And I want to be here to support him. And I'm cheering when all the other Buffalo fans are cheering, and I can kind of understand what's going on. But really, it's about him. And it was just really cool moment. And they've had these moments before at Heroes of the Dorm, and that's what makes this tournament really stellar it was great it was fun i loved it but i am bored to death Kristen, of these same meta picks now they played this game before they played this tournament rather before the balance patch went live last week with all of these crazy changes right so i mean if i never see phoenix if i never see hanzo if i never see genji if i never see a maev ban or a Madiv ban again it will be too soon. And maybe that speaks to why these balance changes are so important because otherwise the competitive scene would be nothing but the same bands and the same picks again and again and again and again. Luckily with these balance patches, every every what, every month or so, there's a shift. Yeah, thank goodness, because it got to be a point where we could predict what was happening. And I actually turned to uh, Ryan, TBK Zord was there sitting right next to me. And I was talking to him, I was like, why do they even play this game? Why don't they just play the replay of the last game? Because it's the exact same thing over and over. So I'm looking forward to the balance patch making its way into these these tournament level uh, games couple of things really blew my mind that were awesome. There was a game Cal Poly played where they had Chogall and they had Chogall, Alex Straza, Phoenix, and Abathur on Braxis holdout. And if you're at home thinking, how the hell did that even work? Because, you know, if I was a betting man, I'd be very poor right now. Would you have betted it against the Chogall, though? The Chogall Abathur? In a heartbeat on Braxis. You know, we were all sitting there saying, how are they going to hold two points with an Abathur and a Chogall and a Phoenix and Alex healing this group? Like, there's no way this is going to happen. Chogall was the master of destruction. It was disgusting. They couldn't even get a camp. They couldn't get anything because Chogall was there and it was so funny. We we're all saying, Daddy says no. Chogall runs right in, steals the camp. It was so good. I believe that was Cal Poly that played that game and just everybody stood up at the end because we thought it was just going to end in, you know, a 13 minute game, not even make it to level 13. Like they're just going to get wiped and they won almost every, uh, objective it was just insane they were great and that ending too when cal poly was on the core there and and the poor other team they were trying their hardest they were scaring away cal poly they finally killed the phoenix and they could finally turn their attention on that chogall and chogall i saw was able to take that core down to nothing yeah chogall had zero deaths in this game. I mean, and they they drafted Anubarak. They drafted Chen. They dra like all these heroes that's like a perfect counter to Cho Gall and they couldn't get it done.
So watch the replay of that. I mean, seriously, watch it, people, because it is real good and real interesting. Uh, so, yes, Heroes of the Dorm, again, another one in the books. It was really, 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 really fun. And congratulations to Laval for winning that whole whole shebang and getting your uh, getting your awesome college tuition, all that jazz. And also huge congratulations to all the teams that even got to participate in Heroes of the Dorm. It's growing. Get your schools involved. Get out there and make it as big as it possibly can be. Next thing we want to talk about here is BlizzCon. It's coming up. It's 173 days away. And I hope you got your tickets out there because the tickets went on sale last week. Uh, two days they went on sale. And boy, oh boy, they sold out in like, I want to say less than 10 seconds. Oh, if you weren't in that queue within the first 30 seconds, you didn't get a ticket. It was it was as simple as that because we tried my sister. I was on a computer. My sister was on a computer. Her husband was on a computer and my husband was on the other computer. So we're all sitting there in a call ready to go. Wednesday comes. We miss it. But Saturday morning, we get up. We're on the call as sleepy as possible. Bam. I got in. Guys, I'm in. I'm in. How many tickets? Yeah. We got our tickets. It's nuts. I I got my tickets too. Thank goodness. This is the first time I've ever gotten tickets from directly from Blizzard ever. I mean, because every time I do this, it's just been you know bad. I'm sitting over here with my buddies, same exact situation, and we're like, okay, so we're gonna have to be checking eBay and all this stuff after. So get ready. Like we're not expecting it at all. Only one of us got in, got the tickets for all of us. Oh man, it is brutal. They. They absolutely, I mean, there's one of two things that are going on here. One, they have to not care. I mean, maybe they just don't care. Maybe Blizzard's like, you know what? This thing's going to sell out. We really don't care what happens at this point, so just sell it out. Or if they do care, they have got to change the way that this is done. And it has to be changed to a lottery. It has to be changed to the same way that they do, uh, say, for instance, um, uh, San Diego Comic-Con, where you enter in a lottery and you have to tell them how many tickets you're going to buy at that point. If you win the lottery, you have to buy the tickets and then you got to give them the names right then and there to make it happen. That seems like it would be a more fair process. I'm just not sure if they're concerned with that at all. It, I think you're right that it, it the tickets sell out. That's all that matters, right? The bottom line, you make the money that you've invested in this thing. And it's not like you can't get a hold of tickets after they sell out. But I do agree there is more than likely a problem with people, scalpers, who go in, get four tickets, Boom, they're out. And maybe they can afford four more. And then they up jump the price and sell it to desperate people who didn't get a chance to get the tickets. Yeah, it's bad. It's It just feels bad all around. Now, things that do feel good is there are a few websites out there that you can visit on Google. Just Google looking for BlizzCon tickets. And there's a few community-run websites where they only allow people to sell tickets on the site for face value. You can only buy them for the $200 face value on these sites. They're for people that, you know, bought a ticket, can't make it to the show, got a buddy or a friend that can't make it. Um, and those are the sites that you can go to to really find out. And get on there now because people look for, uh, for people that have been waiting longer all this stuff it's a really cool community of people that are just kind of trading tickets and making it happen for face value and if you have to go somebody somewhere else to buy them i mean they can be upwards towards a thousand dollars that's what makes me think that this is stupid makes me think i missed my calling i (laughs) 
I have, I have too much of a heart. I wouldn't, I couldn't morally do that to somebody. So maybe what I need to do is care less about the emotions of other people and care more about money, the green stuff. <laughs> but no, you're right. You agree. You bring up a great point about this community and that people have put their foot down and basically said no to those up jump tickets and like, look, Here's where we can sell these things for face value. Here's where people with hearts can go to sell the tickets for face value so that you don't have to spend who knows how long you've been saving up for one ticket. $1,000? I mean, come on. Yeah. That's insane. Think about it. I mean, there has got to be a huge group of people out there that are not even planning on going to BlizzCon, that don't even know what BlizzCon is, that are in there and they've got, you know, their computer macros set and all this stuff to be able to beat the system and to get in there and buy four tickets. And then they just sell them for profit. Just... I mean, it's it's crazy. So I don't know what the system is, but I'm thinking that, you know, if Blizzard wants to change it, they got to do something about that that whole uh, ticket thing because it's just it's crazy. It's it's real, real crazy. Um, cool. So we have some other announcements that we ta- want to talk about. And uh, the first one is Heroes Charity Brawl. Speaking of having a heart and have doing awesome things for the community. Heroes Charity Brawl is another uh, brawl that's going on this year. Kristen and I both get to participate in this. It's going to happen on June 2nd, starting at 2 p.m. Pacific. More details on where, when, how, why, and who this is all going to take place. But basically, the proceeds from this uh, Heroes of the Storm, quote-unquote, tournament, I will say, uh, go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So there's a huge... Uh, upside to all that stuff and it's just an absolute blast to watch I watched last year's and I'm stoked Kristen this year we get to be part of it oh definitely and the best part is that it's all wacky we there's there's this great thing where this isn't really a competition to see who's the best because that doesn't matter in a charity situation what matters is everyone's there having fun with wacky rules that you'd never see otherwise and really kind of pushing the limits of how much fun and how insane things can get in Heroes of the Storm. Yeah, and the personalities are worth watching just in general. Just watch it for the personalities if you don't care about heroes. I mean, because it's uh, there's some pretty funny jokes and some really fun stuff that happens. Again, that, again that's June 2nd at 2 p.m. Pacific. Put it on your calendars. Add it to your list of awesome things to do in the month of June, which is quickly approaching. It's already the 13th of May. Can you believe it? See you later, 2018. It's 2019. Before we know it, we're going to blink and suddenly I'm going to be writing the wrong year on checks again for at least two months. <laughs> You still use checks? To pay my bills, yes. Oh, there you go. I still use checks. I don't do it in line at the grocery. I gave that up. That was something, it's something my mom does. And it doesn't drive me crazy because she's super fast. I mean, she's a whiz with that stuff. But when I started doing it, you know, your first few times, you're really nervous. You're just like, you know what? Screw it. I'm using the card. The plastic's (laughs) easier. Oh, yeah. My mom used to do that, too. Uh, and speaking of moms, we want to give a big happy Mother's Day to all the mothers mothers that are out there listening. Uh, happy Mother's Day. And uh, this goes for all different kinds of moms out there, whether you're a mom that has human kids or maybe you just have puppy kids like my wife just has a puppy kid. So it's a Mother's Day as well. And uh, there's a whole bunch of uh, great positive energy out there for all the moms. And we're sending ours to join that positive energy. So happy Mother's Day out there. And uh, on another piece of news, we started a new show, Kristen, and it kicked off with a bang. 
We did! We did! This past Monday was the first episode of Talking Pictures Alliance, and we discussed The Matrix for all of its glory. And you sold me on Morpheus the Paladin, and you helped me discover the meaning behind that scene between Agent Smith and Morpheus when Agent Smith goes off the grid and they talk about the humans as a virus. Yeah, it was such a great episode. It was a ton of fun. It was our first episode of the Talking Pictures Alliance. If you would like to join the Talking Pictures Alliance, which is basically kind of like a bi-weekly movie club where we all watch the same movie and then we all get to talk about it together. Uh, the next show is going to be May 21st. It's at 5 p.m. Pacific on twitch.tv slash dreamdestroyer. That's D-R-M-D-E-S-T-R-Y-R, Kristen's personal Twitch channel over there. And the movie that we're going to be talking about on the 21st is The Truman Show, starring Jim Carrey. If you haven't seen it, you can find The Truman Show on Netflix or iTunes. Uh, and if there's something that you want to talk about this movie you've seen it before you got thoughts or feelings about it there's always places that you can catch the talking pictures alliance send us a tweet at tpa cast or send us an email talking pictures alliance at gmail.com i can't wait oh yes we've been getting some incredible incredible feedback already about this movie and now that i've officially seen it Spoiler feedback is starting to come in, and I think my favorite one so far is, what do you like about it? Everything? Does that count? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and you can love everything about it, and that is wonderful. Absolutely. Every other Monday, talking about these movies and what we love about them. But today, we're here to talk about Heroes of the Storm and characters that aren't in it yet. So let's do it, and let's forge. Let's forge. That's right. Do you have a hero that's from one of these Blizzard universes that you really wish, like every every day you wake up and you go, oh, is the is this hero in Heroes of the Storm yet? No? Why not? Why not? That's what this show is all about. What we do is we take those heroes that are loved by all and try to imagine what they would be like if we brought them into the Nexus. Kristen builds a kit, I build a kit over here, and then we just kind of play around and have a lot of fun about... Uh, theory crafting what these characters would be like and my oh my this was a a challenge for me this week this might have been the hardest forge i've ever done dude i am right there with you i all last night i was sitting there staring at his screen trying to figure out how to pronounce her name and then trying to figure out what kind of kit she would have and the character we're talking about is a starcraft Matriarch of the Dark Templar, that's right, Rashagal. Rashagal. Yeah, Rashagal. That's what I, I was in the same ballpark talking about how, how to pronounce this name, Rashagal. So, I mean, the reason this was real challenging for me, Kristen, was because this is a character that has a real thick backstory, like most Blizzard characters that we talk about on this show. But I'm not connected to this story at all. I didn't really know anything about this character before starting. But how cool is it to have this Protoss matriarch and a female Protoss that we could bring into the Nexus that would just be kick ass? Yeah, she's really cool. And another, you bring up the hard part too. I had a rough time because she didn't have a kit to go off of. She's, as far as I know from the research, she wasn't a unit that you could control. She was simply a head 
matriarch that meant a lot to Zeratul. And the one thing I discovered was how bamf Kerrigan was. And it made me go, why did they make her so empathetic in the new games? Why not just say StarCraft 2 is a retelling of StarCraft 1 because Kerrigan was nuts yeah. and I loved it. And why did we lose that? You know, I thought the same exact thing when I was doing this this research on this. I mean, basically, she... Well, I, I'm not going to get into the story here, Kristen. Why don't you give us a little rundown on what happened there? Because you do it oh so much better than I do. All right. So he here goes with the condensed version of Rashigal's story. Once the matriarch of the Dark Templar, Rashigal was a beloved leader that sought peace for her people regardless of the path they walked. She led her people on Shakuras well past her prime, but unfortunately, as her age began to wane, so too did her powers, leaving her open to mental enslavement by Kerrigan around the start of the Brood War, our best estimates. Seeking to right the wrongs of the past, Rashigal welcomed Protoss from Ayer with open arms and even allowed Kerrigan to make a plea for help, a plea Rashigal listened to and accepted. Following this, the leader was kidnapped by Kerrigan and taken to Char, where she would be used to force Zeratul to kill a growing overmind that threatened Kerrigan's reign. Following a desperate, failed attempt to get Rashigal off of Char and back to Shakuras in a bid to free the matriarch's mind, Zeratul murdered Rashigal, refusing to allow his beloved leader to be used as a puppet by the Zerg Queen. Surprised by this action, Kerrigan stayed her hand. Instead of killing Zeratul, she allowed him to live, gloating over how much she would enjoy knowing that his every waking moment would be haunted by the blood on his blade. I mean, come on. That, that's, that's legitimate Kerrigan right there. Dude, I listened to her speech when she was talking to him about leaving him alive so that he would have to live with these nightmares. Wow! Where's this Kerrigan? Come back to me! Yeah, she's real, real mean. <laughs> that is some twisted stuff, right? And I don't know if it was ever confirmed that Zeratul crushed on Rashigal, Rashigal if that was a thing, but he definitely really, really cared for this woman, maybe in more of a, a mother sense. But so, yeah, so maybe it was like killing his own mother. And then Kerrigan's just standing there. I had her mind controlled this whole time and you had to kill her. Ha ha ha. Yeah, and that cutscene, quote unquote cutscene, I should say, where where, she, where he uh, he decides to do that. It happens real fast. And I wonder if that's a product of the technology that was available at the time. But basically, he makes the decision, says a line to Kerrigan, something about like, I can't believe you're making me do this. Bam, does his little Zeratul spin. She's dead. She has a little like, you know, dying line. But then Kerrigan comes in just like that mean bully that's like, I can't believe you actually did that. You just killed your matriarch because you had to. Yeah, yeah. And then for, what, three paragraphs, she just stands there laughing at him and the pain that he's feeling? Holy cow, would that have been amazing to see reanimated, right? Kind of like how I've heard um, the Warcraft team talk about reanimating the Illidan-Arthas fight, because that was one that didn't make the big cinematic cut back in the day. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moments like that that would be real cool to see. Like, if they did some sort of, like, vault series where they took the time to reanimate uh, some of the Vanilla WoW or Burning Crusade, Wrath, all that stuff, or StarCraft, would, or original Warcraft stuff, Diablo. Can you imagine, like, those those cutscenes that you have driving the Soul Stone into your forehead kind of cutscenes, where if they redid those, I mean, it, it would be real cool. Now, it probably wouldn't make them any money. Maybe people would go back and play those games who knows probably not but it would be cool <laughs> and that's what matters we want to see cool stuff here and that's why we chose rash 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 a gall that's right we're gonna... gonna call her rash from now on <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a skin idea in there there definitely is a skin idea in there um Cool. So uh, let's let's get this thing started, and uh, let's start off with my kit this week. Uh, so we're going to start out with the same thing we always talk about week after week, and that is what role classification would Rashigal have if she was brought into the Nexus? So, you know, is she an assassin, support, tank, uh, warrior, rather, multi-class, any of those cool things that we can come up with? And I'm going with support here. Okay, so how did you come to support? Because you talked that this was the hardest one. What led you to support? All right, so uh, there's a huge disclaimer on my entire uh, Rashigal build here. I mean, I I tried my best with the Lord that I could, but I came to support because I got I couldn't get out of the matriarch idea, right? So how can we build a leader, like an actual leader in the game that's able to inspire your troops, help you in battle, and make it work in a MOBA, right? So I couldn't get past the 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 matriarch aspect of it so i started with the role on this one believe it or not and i said i'm starting with support and she's gonna have this trait called matriarch so the calm cool and collected leader of the dark templar because it is said that she is really really well known for just being you know <laughs> what, what i like to call protoss calm right she's just very you know, doesn't really matter what's going on she's calm cool and collected rashagal will be a support character in the nexus that supports her team from afar using her psionic powers because that's a big thing with these dark templar right so this trait matriarch inspires her allies to have an increased auto attack speed when they're near her all friendly units heroes minions mercenary camps will haul, all have the increased auto attack speed as long as they're in range of the inspiration of their matriarch that's good that feels matriarchal right a leader inspiring everything under their domain and i like that you included the minions and mercenaries as well that are on your team because they'd be a part of it you spent the resources they serve you now yeah, it's it's all your followers are in there in battle, and they're gonna get just a little boost to their auto attack. So if you're drafting this Rashigal, you'd want to pick auto attack heroes, right? I mean, imagine if Vala could even fire faster or Rainer, everybody's favorite, who everybody was begging for yesterday at Heroes of the Dorm. Really, was there a chant going out for Rainer? There was a chant for Rainer. There was a chant for Murky, and there was a chant for uh, just cheese. Just like cheese pick, cheese pick. People wanted something that wasn't meta. 
They got their chogal. They did. Sounds like they got their cheese picked. Did everyone, was everyone satiated by that for a bit? Oh my gosh. I mean, basically the whole crowd lost their brain and just uh, went crazy. It was, it was real great. But then we all, we all got hungry for a cheese pick again uh, a few games later, but. You start digesting the cheese you get and then you're hungry again. (laughs) That's how it works. So how big is this cheese range we're talking about here? (laughs) With, uh, with this ability, you say? Yes, with this ability. How, how wide is the cheese spread? Uh, it spreads pretty wide. I'm going to say about the size of a Brightwing heel, right? So you still you still got to be in in close proximity, and then you're going to get these, these auto attacks. Also, she's going to be super squishy, like in the back line. So it's going to be hard to control this for, the, uh, for both players, the friendly team members, and then also you playing Rashagal because you got to be in range to give people this this auto attack and I want it to show up as some sort of like lightning on them or maybe their their nameplate has that old what I missed the you know the mega kill lightning yes oh that would be so nice and I like the idea too that it would stack on top of other buffs could you imagine if this thing alone was written so that it increased the total overall max auto speed that was a speed we've never seen in the nexus before oh yeah I mean I'm smelling a double support comp here with uh stim drone and Rashagal getting a stim droned Rashagal trait buffed um, Zoljin that is almost dead using Tazdingo. <laughs> oh, oh, gross. Oh, my goodness. You'd be able to shred everything. Yes, and it would feel oh so good. Uh, let's talk about mounts. What mount would Rashigal ride into battle? I'm saying she's going to use this like psionic lightning, right? So basically put her arms out and during the mount animation, maybe this like brain lightning is going to like light, light up underneath her feet and lift her off the ground. And then she's going to just ride that around the battlefield. Oh, six. So you said brain lightning? <laughs> you know, like it's coming yeah, from yeah. her mind. Okay, cool. So so it's going to like originate in her head and then travel to the, or or um, it doesn't travel to the ground, but her like her head crackles and then on the ground something appears. Yeah, like using the powers of levitation, but it's really elemental coming from the lightning. Nice. I really like that. I mean, the drawings of the Protoss with the lightning coming from their eyes, that's perfect. Oh, yeah. There's a really cool animation. I'm sure you saw it doing your research here of talking about these psionic powers that the Protoss have. And it shows a Protoss with his eyes just changing these these elemental colors, basically. I mean, it's, it's real, real cool. So that gets us into our basic abilities. So in my kit, her first basic ability is just that, psionic lightning. So this is a vector target ability so it's works similar like uh similar to a uh uh ragnaros meteor right you're you're able to select the direction that this meteor is going to roll well this one works the same way but you're selecting a horizontal lightning strike that comes across the battlefield in a select direction so also similar to when you have the tree love protector and you're able to put that mark on the floor you're doing the same kind of thing If the lightning strikes an enemy hero, the hero will become electrified and take a small amount of damage from this ability. But the bigger thing is that they're going to, while electrified, take more damage from all attacks while they're in range of Rashigal's matriarch trait for a short amount of time. So basically, 
not only are you buffing your friendly heroes to do faster auto attacks, but if they get hit with this lightning, they will take more damage from these auto attacks that are coming from your friendly heroes. Nice. And this is if the enemy hero is within range of her aura, correct? Yeah. So it's kind of a debuff as well as a buff. Yeah, and the debuff falls out if they go out of range of this matriarch trait. So this is kind of a a, a way where if she's in a team fight or if somebody is attacking her and she has a friendly unit nearby, to get them to kind of back off, kind of like an Asmodan laser that's lasering somebody down. And if you just stay there and you think you can kill asmodan most of the time you can't you can't oh we had a great speaking of the asmodan laser this poor asmodan uh yeah he kept going it was the entire i was on lily and he just kept lasering me and he wouldn't die he just wouldn't die i, I tried to get away but there was no he just kept going yeah, and that's even healing yourself. I mean, it's crazy to think about that. So but we were, I guess we were feeding each other then. I kept healing. He kept lasering. I kept <laughs> <laughs> What's this unbroken thing? Okay, so for psionic lightning, what's the craziest talent you'd want to throw into this thing? Like, where's the wackiest place you imagine this going? I mean, you could really have a stun built in. That's not real wacky if you talent into it. Also, you could have a pull built into something like that or a push even built into it. You definitely could talent into they keep this debuff as they go further away. Maybe the debuff stacks and becomes even worse. Maybe at 20, you could talent into something where it causes them to uh, attack friendlies if they're electrified. Maybe they just let off some of their basic abilities i don't know <laughs> that'd be wacky yeah i like the the one where it attacks the allies what if it's that jump lightning the arc lightning right so it spreads like a living bomb except it's lightning and it introduces where it spreads indefinitely that is a great idea great idea and i've been seeing lots of kts with the change on thursday so uh stay away from living bomb that's your psa from heroes forge on this lovely sunday uh, my second basic ability is called containment this kind of stems from the idea that Kerrigan contained Rashigal in that whatever it was, like a tube or whatever, right before Zeratul uh, had to murder her. So this is a basic ability that allows Rashigal to place a friendly hero in a psionic stasis, kind of like an ice block. It'll make them immune to damage, like an ice block, for a short amount of time. But it will also regenerate a large amount of health during this stasis. So a kind of heal that we don't see right now, where in order to heal your friendly unit, you have to put them in a timeout. And sometimes your friendly heroes deserve that timeout, right? They got a little too far and they're taking a bit too much damage. So you got to tell them, okay, calm down. Calm down, get some health, think about what you've done. All right, get back in there. Yeah, and you know, this is one of the things that I am really seeing. I mean, I do it, my buddies do it, everybody in my league is doing it, and it's related to Ice Block. So uh, a lot of people use Ice Block, including myself, in a very um, last-second defense move way where you're ice blocking because you're about to die and you're trying to save yourself. And it never works out if you do it that way. I mean, I don't know how many times I've tried to make that work. They just surround you. Like, you're ice blocked and you're like, okay, well, I delayed my death another 10 seconds. 
Yeah, and that's a tough one, right? Because then sometimes you're on a team where they see you ice block and they push forward to keep the enemy from surrounding you and your healers there ready to go. As soon as you're out, they heal you up. Everyone's back in the fight. There's a forward momentum and you take it because the ice block messed up the enemy's plans. They fell for it. But it, like you need your friends to know this, right? In order to make that happen. But I have felt that pain on Nazebo many times. And, the, and, the, and no amount of spiders can stop <laughs> the incoming death. The thing, the other thing about it is that I, when I see people and I think they're really good at using ice block, it's for dodging these big abilities, right? Something comes down, you ice block yourself, you dodge that big attack, you don't take the damage, you're not stunned, all that stuff. So I see players that play ice block heroes really well ultimately become awesome Maiev players because they can use Vault of the Wardens in the same sort of way that they think of Ice Block, right? ETC's Mosh Pit is coming in, Vault of the Wardens out of it. Gonna get hit by a Lee Ming Orb, Vault of the Wardens. Gonna get pulled. I mean, it, it's it's awesome to see that happen. And so this is the kind of idea where you're putting that skill cap in the, in the hands of the healer because the healer is going to have to know, okay, I'm gonna put so-and-so in this containment and we need to act on this containment in order to make it happen. Dude, that's a great idea, right? And how how does it change the way you think of heroes and their abilities when you're given the chance to put that ability on someone else? Does it get you to think about that ability when you play a hero with that in their kit a bit more dynamically? I, maybe maybe the different perspective does help. That's really cool talking about the, the transference of knowledge between roles. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, that's something that I've seen. Also, like I to said last week, I've really been picking up Maiev because it's a ton of fun to try to master a Vault of the Wardens. Anyway, we're here to talk about Rashigal. So the next basic ability is called Feedback. So to go along with the uh, Psionic Lightning and Containment, Feedback is an ability that's when it's activated, Rashigal will drain the energy of the target to charge her own feedback energy bar. So when we're talking about energy, we're talking about things like mana, we're talking about fury, anything that's a secondary bar on your hero, she's gonna drain this from you. So she can drain it from any unit, friend or foe. She can drain it from anybody. When she selects her one key, she'll be able to release this energy that she drained to deal damage equal to how much she drained out. And this damage pushes enemies away from her and also deals the damage to them it's spread out in a circle underneath her feet and kind of pulses out with an aoe damage depending on how much energy she has drained this is a great idea i we watched black panther the other day and that whole idea that the suit absorbs the energy stores it for later and lets it go it's such a great thing because you need what why yeah why wouldn't you be able to soak that in and then use it later and i like that she can drain the energy too so we're we're kind of dabbling in that mana denial area yeah i mean and we've touched on this a whole hell of a lot on this show kind of talking about why we think i mean why Kristen? why do you think that's not in the game right now do you think it's turned out to be that it would be something that would not be fun to play against is it something that is real hard to balance i mean i try to figure it out because they've got to have tested something like this or have something in their back pocket 
Oh, totally. And completely ignoring the fact that they're on record for saying they won't do this. I mean, if you go with the, this wouldn't be fun to play against, why is Genji in the game? <laughs> why is there a Chromie or a Hanzo? Why do you lose? Um, so I don't know if that's it. Maybe it's just really hard to balance. Maybe because it would be very draft dependent, right? Because how much would that stink in quick match if you're up against a team? Who's got mana? Not really anybody. But yeah. at the same time, it's quick match, right? How many times are you on a two-lane map? The enemy team has five specialists, and you've got single-target burst assassins. Yeah, exactly. You're not doing much. Yeah, and that's a good point to make, too, that they have said that they won't be playing around with the enemy team's mana bars because uh, it's something that they've tested, and that's really, really fun for them to be able to go in and test it, I'm sure, and say, mm, yeah, you know, this this probably wouldn't feel good. Like, people people would hate this, or uh, it just doesn't work. Maybe it's, like, really labor-intensive for the engine to be able to do something like that. Who knows? But for the meantime, we do have Malfurion out there giving you a little little slice of your mana back. Just a little slice of life. You know, it's a good, it's a little top <laughs> off. The milk and cookies, right? That's right. Uh, let's get into some heroic abilities on my kit. The first one is called Shockwave. So this ability blasts a global beam of psionic energy that acts in a similar way to Planet Cracker. Maybe even looks similar. Like it has like a purple and blue instead of just the, the, the solid blue. But this beam doesn't deal any damage to the enemy. Instead, it pushes all enemies that are near the beam away from it. Enemies that are pushed a distance, they're, they're pushed a distance related to their location of the center of, of the beam once it hits them. So for an example, if a hero is closer to the center of the beam when they're hit by it, they'll be pushed away from the beam further. This beam is purple and green. It's like a mind beam, I'm calling it, that can beam chaos into the enemy's team if we're uh, having a little bit of RP. Well, we've got to have some RP. It's got to feel like the character. This is important because so many of us RP our characters when we play them. So uh, so is this going to be one of those where the distance traveled, it takes just as long to go regardless of how close or far away that is? You mean like a phoenix beam? Like it just, it doesn't travel across the battlefield. It just appears all the way across? More like Kael'thas's gravity lapse. So you have the initial gravity lapse, and it's got a set speed. It takes, let's say, it takes a second to travel from point A to point B. And then there's the talent where you can extend the range. It still takes a second to go from point A to point B, but because you've extended the range, it has to travel faster, ultimately. So the heroes that are caught in this, when you have the point A to point B, does it take one second for everybody to travel their distance? Uh, that's a really good question. Because some of them are going to be pushed farther is what you're saying. So do yeah. They, yeah. Uh, I think it takes longer for them. I mean, I really want to penalize heroes that are hit in the middle of this. And this actually spawns from my experiences at Heroes of the Dorm, right? Because a lot of people, including myself, use Planet Cracker to kind of... Um, to deny map objectives. So someone's picking up a tribute, you're all the way back at the spawn, you can use Planet Cracker like an owl to deny that objective, right? But they're still standing right on top of it. What if you could push them away and off of it using Planet Cracker? That's where this idea came in. And maybe that would just be a really cool talent to add to the current Phoenix Planet Cracker. 
Yeah, dude, totally. And and they can't move until they've traveled their distance, correct? So it's kind of like a stun, and they have to go the distance. And that would be devastating if you got caught in the middle of it, because how how much time would the enemy team have to pick you off if they were there? Yeah, it's definitely a Hercules, Michael Bolton. They must go the distance uh, to be pushed out of the <laughs> to be pushed out of this shockwave. And my second heroic ability is called separation. So, separation, Razgul is going to channel this ability, splitting one of the friendly heroes into three psionic copies of themselves. Because of the power of this heroic, Razgul will not be able to move while channeling and must remain uninterrupted in and in range of the target-friendly hero. This hero is going to split into three and will act in the exact same normal way, but just have three or two shadows of themselves exactly above and below them. These shadows will not be targetable, but they will perform all the auto-attacks of the host hero. The ability also allows the shadows to use the hero's Q basic ability. The shadows are defeated if the target hero dies or if Razgul is interrupted. Okay, so visually lay this out for me. What happens? Okay, so she's she's got this like um, mind. Uh, she's able to, the way I picture this, the super nerdy way I picture this is that she's using like this psionic energy to rip a void in the nexus that kind of makes it so you're putting on 3d glasses, but you're not watching a 3d movie. So it, it, it rips this. Let's, let's take Rainer, for example, everyone's favorite OP hero and it rips Rainer in two, right? So, or three rather. So He's kind of got a shadow on top of him and a shadow below him. And when Rainer moves, those two shadows are doing exactly what he's doing. They're just following him around the battlefield. But their auto attacks count. So he's auto attacking. You're getting three times the auto attack. If you're in range of her trait, you're getting three times at a faster rate. If they're affected by con- uh, the containment or the psionic lightning, rather, then they're taking more damage from these auto attacks from this Rainer. And also Rainer's Q, whatever pushback shot, he can use that. And it's like getting hit for three times by that. Dude, that's pretty sick. That's triple damage. And I love that you've doubled down on this auto attack support i mean she is a dream come true for auto attackers hands down yeah and and definitely she because this is so powerful because this is quote unquote crazy um she has to channel this like she's channeling this void so if somebody interrupts her if somebody attacks her if whatever happens then this goes away so as the team you want to make sure you draft some beef that you can put like in front of her make sure that nobody's you know attacking Razgul. maybe even a zeratul would be a good void prism to go right in front of her so people get stuck she can finish off whatever she's doing with the channel and the time and then uh get it done that's crazy. Now, does she have a range with this? Or she picks a hero, she's channeling them, and that hero can go wherever they want for the length of the ability. I think she'd have to have a range, right? Because you wouldn't want to just channel from the core. You wouldn't want Rainer running out there with his two shadow bunnies, uh, Ray and Nor, uh, walking across the battlefield. You could. You could. <laughs> okay, so what about this? What if we meet in the middle in order to cast this, she has to be a certain distance away from a hero. But once it's cast and she's allowed to channel, that hero can leave the range. Okay, and then maybe we put a timer on it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Or not. Level 20. Level infinite. 20. 
just uh, call it the 3D apocalypse. <laughs> Got your glasses ready. <laughs> Yeah, everyone gets a little thing of popcorn so they can eat it while it goes. I got so excited about this, <laughs> my microphone. I know, I talk with my hands too much. I hit my microphone. I knock things over on my counter. I'm but, an animated person. It's <laughs> how it goes. The things we do. The things we do for that sound quality. Um, you can't see our hands moving, but trust me, our hands are moving. Uh, that That is my kit for Rasha Ghoul. Uh, just a real... I mean, I went with this Dark Templar matriarch. I researched what Dark Templars do, all that stuff, and tried to put in a little bit of flavor of just her calm, cool, and collected way of destroying your brain. Yeah, that's the way to do it. And like you said, with the their Protoss, their Dark Templar, they're all psionic power. And I don't think there's ever been like a, a gritty physical Protoss because... That's not what they do. I know. Even like if you think about uh, Artanis, right? He's still using those psionic, like, he's not a Dark Templar, but he's still using like these, you know, swaps. And of course, the, the, uh, just all of his really cool abilities. I mean, a Templar and, uh, all of these guys are just really, really neat. It's fun. It's fun to play. And it's a great storyline, too. I mean, they lost their homeworld. Got to fight for it. Uh, cool. Before we get to Kristen's kit, we have some people that we definitely need to thank, and those people are our patrons, people that are supporting us on patreon.com slash heroesforge, uh, throwing us a couple bucks every episode. It really helps the episode grow. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, we have a new patron that we need to thank this week, Kristen. Can you believe that? Yay! Thank you! So if you if you would like to join the patron crew and become a, uh, a patron, you can do that at patreon.com slash heroesforge. Over there we have uh, a bunch of different ways that you can support the show. And uh, we're working towards some goals, Kristen. And once we hit those goals, uh, we're going to be able to bring you something called a flash forge, which is a forge that we, uh, we bring to you that's just a quick little 10-minute forge where we surprise each other with the hero that's from the blizzard universe and kind of make that happen so we're a few bucks off from that goal head on over to the website to to help make that goal happen and we do need to thank steven J for becoming our latest patron thank you so much steven for becoming a part of the heroes forge patron crew we couldn't do it without all of our patrons so thank you thank you thank you all right, and we also need to thank people that have given us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps the show grow. Head on over to iTunes, drop us a five-star review, and when people search for Heroes of the Storm podcasts, they can uh, they can find our show amongst all the awesome other ones out there. And again, a huge thank you to Steven Jonas for supporting the show. We couldn't do it without you guys. All right, Kristen, let's get it to your kit here for Rasha Ghoul. What role classification are you rolling with this week? All right, so this one, I took the opposite end of the spectrum. I love, she's a matriarch, and so I, I, I felt like I couldn't place her in anything other than warrior. But because of that, that's where the challenge kind of came in. How do you make this? She's not a fragile old woman, but as a Protoss with her advanced age at this point in the story, Brood War, she's a fragile old woman. So how do you make something like that? into a warrior yeah and you know what else was surprising that i did if you search for her on google images you'll find one where somebody has drawn to scale all of the races in 
StarCraft, right? You go through and you can look at all the races and the Protoss are huge. I mean, they're big in comparison to Terran and even Kerrigan as a Zerg and, and those kinds of things. So I could see how you could try to make this happen. And you're right, though. She is pretty old. Yeah, she's over a thousand years old. She's so old she remembers Iyer before it was infested. Yeah, I mean, what a what a great leader to be able to remember something like that and to follow somebody like I remember what this was like before. I mean, that that's real, real cool. Okay, let's hear the trait. Let's get into this warrior build. Okay, the trait I'm calling too far gone because I really wanted to go with a mind parasite kind of ideal because when sh when we meet Rashigal, she is already Kerrigan's pawn. And while the Zerg cannot infest the Protoss naturally due to what's known as their antithetical DNA, <laughs> there you go, dropping that one in there, they can infect them, resulting in parasitic horrors beyond imagining. So Rashigal can choose which enemy hero in her area is infected by the whispers of the Zerg parasite living within her. Oh, I dig it. So does this parasite build right into your basic abilities? Like, are we going to learn more about this parasite or what does exactly it do? Okay, so yeah, it's going to play a big part in her basic abilities. So to, to lay it out real quickly, she can really only affect those that are infected by the whispers of the parasite. So the way I envisioned it is she is so powerful. It's like a movie scene where, where a super wizard comes in and just a single flick of their finger, the heroic hero we've seen the entire movie is super powerful is just chucked against a wall squidward from infinity war he was fantastic he's just <laughs> laying to waste these superheroes from earth with no effort whatsoever and and that's kind of how i came to making her a warrior though she's fragile in a sense i like it i like it a lot that's really cool and it's a really cool mind trip kind of thing with this whole you know uh protoss kind of feel here i i can't wait to see where this goes okay how about mounting all right this is a question i had for you in putting this together so i would imagine the protoss they're extremely noble even though they're not really any more noble than anybody else but we would imagine they would have a steed right what animals did the protoss have on ire what what would they ride I have no idea. I, I have no idea at all. But I like the idea of like, yeah, maybe like a alien horse kind of looking thing. Yeah, maybe it's got antenna ears or something. It's from Pandora. <laughs> Some avatar, you know, something like that. Yeah, maybe. because we, we got a lot of science fiction hoverboard Protoss stuff out there, right? boring let's let's get some like uh let's get some alien horses from pandora let's let's bring pandora into the uh into the mix i just it, it made me really sad to think that there aren't any protoss critters running around and maybe there were before Iyer fell but i'd really like to see a protoss critter and a noble one that she gets to mount okay so are you thinking is is rajakal more like a side saddle rider or is she more like a you know some of the heroes like does Jaina ride side saddle on the horses 
I think so. Yes. Yeah, and Li Ming does too. But like Cassia rides it like a cow, cow, uh, cowgirl, right? She rides it like with her, uh, like a Western saddle instead of like, you know, she's riding it like into battle. Is that the same kind of thing for Rashigal or is she more like noble? I think she would ride one leg on either side. I think it would be like Queen Elizabeth when she gave that speech before the Spanish Armada fight where she she tells her people she knows she's in a woman's body, but she's got the soul of a man. That's right. That kind of a thing. I really kind of feel that with her. I like it. Very cool. And yes, we did just spend, you know, two minutes talking about that. Uh, if you were wondering out there. Uh, okay, cool. So let's get into some basic abilities. What's your first basic ability? So this first one I'm calling Tainted Whispers. Affecting only the infected, Rashigal and her Zerg inhabitant. <laughs> I'm calling her Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it so friendly. It's the little neighbor upstairs. They let It lets loose the voices, and they're heard by all those that are brought under the caring fold of such a Zerg race. Animalistic in sound and emotional in nature, these sounds fill the target's head, reducing their damage as they are subconsciously told not to hurt Rashigal. So you have a tank, she's coming up to you, and you're going to hit her because she's your main focus, but you're going to be doing a lot less damage. Nice. So it's only less damage to her. Only less damage to her, correct. All right. This is cool. This is a cool way of kind of mitigating your your health bar. Exactly. Exactly. And I would imagine she'd have a decent health bar if she's been alive for so long. But this would help her control who's dealing less damage to her, right? Because you'd want to infect the Vala instead of the Blaze because the Vala would tear through you and... How many seconds? Yeah, it's great. This is really cool. So in a team fight, somebody's attacking, you have to know when to activate this. And it's not like a basic ability we see now because you're basically giving yourself this reduced damage on your Q. Yes, exactly. And that falls into the whole trickery of the tank. The the best tanks, they get you to really focus them down, but you can't kill them. You can't kill them fast enough, and suddenly they're still alive, and their friends sweep in and just wreck you because you've wasted all your mana on the Muradin. <laughs> I roll. Hashtag I roll. I love it. It's very good. Very, very fun to play something like this. It would be very cool. Uh, what's your second basic ability? The second one is called Captivating. And Rashigal's infection tells the enemy hero to stay put. So in a sense, they're taunted because they can only look at her, but they can't move until she's a certain distance away from them. So it's a, it's like a taunt combined with a root. And the whole idea being they're enamored with her. They, they see her as a matriarch. The Zerg is telling them that this is somebody to be respected. So she can kind of part a battlefield in that way oh really cool this is so neat okay so tell me does it break line of sight like if she goes around the corner does this break or is it a set distance i like that idea that you do need to have line of sight oh very neat this because we don't really have stuff like that right i mean 
maybe in some ways we have a couple of things that are similar, but this line of sight idea of just being like, wow, this being is ancient, you know, I, I have to stand here and, you know, observe rather than attack or do anything. I'm rooted in place. What if she doesn't leave the area? Is it also on a timer? To be fair, and because it's a basic ability, yeah, it would need to be a timer thing. Yeah, but put it on 20. There we go. Yes, 20. <laughs> I like it. It's a good solid number. This is very, very cool. Okay, what's your third basic ability? All right, third is spread the love. And Rashigal now infects the two closest enemy heroes. So, so I would imagine this would be a smaller aura, and you'd only get to choose two people within it. And she gains their combined attack power, which she then immediately can use for a decisive blow. Oh, so imagine you want to target the heroes that are doing the most damage, the highest uh, attack power heroes. And I'm assuming this is based on auto attacks? Yes. All right, so Stukov, A, you're, you're just right in there with Stukov. You just, you go in there, you grab Stukov, you get him in there, you get Rainer, who's in the back by the Stukov, combine them, and then one shot the Li Ming standing in your face. <laughs> Yes, this is really cool. I love the way that this feels, right? So you're infecting the enemy team, and then you're able to mitigate the damage that's being done with you with your Q. You're also able to take somebody that's off in the distance that may be coming in to charge you, and you can captivate them so they're frozen in at the distance. Focus on your target and then even drain that person that you have captivated's attack power. I mean, I'm saying drain, but you you gain their attack power with the person you're actually fighting and then use this E ability to wipe out that person. I mean, that's a pretty cool combo. Yeah, basically. Right. She doesn't hit hard often, but when she does, you don't want to be in her path. Man, that is really cool. I really like it. All right. Let's talk about heroics. What's your first one? Okay, so level 10, this is going to happen regardless of the heroic you choose. The heroic is simply going to add flavor to it, kind of like Tracer's Bomb. So remember in Resident Evil 4? Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. So imagine <laughs> Resident Evil 4, right? You get her head is basically going to explode. Maybe it's just the back part of her skull. And this sick Zerg tentacle monster is going to bust out and it's going to be screaming and it's going to make horrible, horrible noises. And so with this first heroic, it's the beast released. And it's a massive damage-dealing horror with absurd range. Every third consecutive hit stuns and every fifth consecutive blinds. Wow, Tanky McTankerson. This is great to be in the front line, stunning, blinding, stunning, blinding. So this is not an ability that is activated, it's just passive. Yes, exactly. And uh, maybe it's one of those where you get to control some of the tentacles, right? Or you have to switch to one to use the tentacles instead of your basic attacks. Oh, so cool. So for the rest of the battle, no matter what heroic you choose, you are in your final form. Yes, Oh, whoa, this is really cool. And depending on, 
I mean, because I'm, you know, breaking the rules and reading a little bit ahead here. I mean, you've got a really cool second heroic. What's the second one? So we can talk second about one. both. Yeah, the beast exposed. So in the second one, the beast becomes more of a control tower where the player gets the extra three buttons on their bar. The first activates a piercing noise that stuns all nearby foes. The second emits a pulse that slices through all armor, dealing direct damage over time. And the third acts as a call to join that can't be ignored. Nearby enemies are slowed when they move away from her, but gain speed when they move closer. Oh. And the more I talk about this, the more I'm thinking she's an off tank. She's that control backline off tank, ruling her people from a throne, but still a part of the fight. Oh, so good. And I see a theme here in our last couple kits, Kristen, that you've built where uh, ignoring armor bec is becoming a thing for you. It's because of Kyle's learn to play armor video. <laughs> you wouldn't believe the rabbit hole with armor that we went down. And this is me saying, nope, no more. I don't want to do what if they've got magic armor? What if they've got straight armor? What if they've got physical armor? What if they get a little bit of both? And what about the talents for when you're moving? You get no, 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 it's gone. See, I'm not here to do math, people. I'm here to play a game. But I'm that's... not here to care about intricacies. <laughs> because that's why I play in the Bronze League, all right? <laughs> we don't care about math down here, all right? <laughs> we just want to hit things and see damage done to the things we hit. Exactly. Just take away the little white part of the uh, the armor bar and just make it the same color as the health because it doesn't matter to me. Uh, no, but it should. I mean, this is really great stuff that you're talking about here about the percentages of armor and all of that stuff. I mean, learning that is just a huge uh, boost to the skill of this game. Um, this is great. So I can see why you want to kind of take that out. Okay, so both of these, the Beast Released and the Beast Exposed, talk to me a little bit about situationally when you might want to pick one or the other of these. Because I have an idea, but I want to hear yours. Ideally, I would imagine you take the Released when there's a nasty little tracer or a lot of squishies with range, so a Chromie Hanzo, and you really need to be able to do basic attack damage to lock onto something that's getting way too close to your backline too often. Whereas the Beast Exposed, you want to control tanks, you want to control the slower, heavier guys that don't really have much movement capability. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking too. I mean, this is... Such a cool idea. How do they look differently in the game? How does the enemy team know which one you've picked? Mm, that's the uh, that's the hard question. Maybe the types of tentacles that are out, they look different. Maybe uh, the beast release have the little claw hooks at the end. And the beast exposed, they've got gibbering mouths on them. Oh, <laughs> Wow, that was really good just off the cuff. You're the best at this kind of stuff. Very cool, Kit Kristen. How do you sum all of this up? Brain drain. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, it, it's really the, the feel that I got as well, talking about her. Like, it's the most powerful matriarch. They communicate using their brains, all this kind of stuff. I mean, this is such a great way of putting that all together. Of course, with the combo that we talked about a few minutes ago, using that ability to free somebody and then, you know, drain their attack power and use it against them kind of feeling. And then, of course, these two heroics that are so cool releasing the beast or exposing the beast is, is just a really really cool thought bravo uh before we can call these heroes 
forged though we got to talk about the best part which you all know what it is out there specialty skins and dance moves so let's get into it with Kristen's specialty skin all right my specialty skin rasta gall she's got the hat <laughs> she's got the dreads she's got the rhythm Feel the she rhythm. She wants freedom for her people, you know? She yeah. just wants peace. She wants to combine the the overly religious ire protoss and her dark Templar protoss, you know? It's great. This is such a great idea. It would be such a cool skin. Uh, does she stay like a, a protoss look? Does she still have that same protoss look? Or is this a complete overhaul of what the skin looks like? I think she'd keep the protoss look because she's already got the dreads. Right. So you simply just add a different color, uh, color combination, color pattern, and you got yourself the Rastagal. That is very, very cool. My two skin ideas are uh, Storm from the X-Men, right? So she could have like a, an X-Men Storm kind of feel. Or I'm going something here called the Burger Queen. So instead of the Burger King, I mean, she's a matriarch, right? So this is the Burger Queen. And she's going to be like, uh, her occupation skin is going to be, you know, like the manager of a fast food burger restaurant. Okay, I was about to ask, is she wearing a mask <laughs> and she has a dollar store cape around her shoulders? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's that's the direction that it goes instead. Like, maybe she's the mascot. There we go. I, that was great. The masked Scott. <laughs> All right, um, okay, and then for Storm, which, which Storm design do you want to see her in? We've seen many Storms, but only one. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, I think that my, uh, my brain instantly went to the Halle Berry. <laughs> I, can, I can buy it as long as, and well, they'd throw the voice line in there. Which one? Uh, you know what happens to what, frogs when they get hit with lightning? I don't know this. Same thing that happens to everything else. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's incredible. Yes, they would. You know what happens to a Terran when they get hit by lightning? Same thing Same that happens thing. to everything else. That's great. Exactly. I love it. Very good. Uh, and for my dance move, I'm calling it the Mind Wave Dance. And this is just something that I made up where she's not actually dancing. But, you know, if you kind of bent the frames on a 3D glasses at a movie, how it kind of waves and stuff like that, that's kind of what you would see. She'd still be standing still, but her body would kind of be tricking you into she's actually dancing or moving body rolls oh that's a pretty neat idea do you imagine how far you could take that though by making players think she's doing something but actually it's mind tricks because she's such a powerful scion yeah it's cool uh what about your dance move i think she'd do the men in black dance because she saw things that you need not see and she went places that you need not be <laughs> the men in black dance Oh, winner, winner. You you won this for sure. That is a, uh, uh, how does it go? Uh, no, make your network. Now freeze. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> okay. You gotta walk with me. Just walk with me. Do you gotta do bounce? You gotta bounce with me? Yeah. So how many times did you rewind and practice? Because I know I have quite a record. <laughs> Oh, this is this is getting too good. We gotta end it here. We gotta say that this hero was officially forged. Hero forged. 
Wars. Very cool. I mean, what a cool hero to have in the Nexus, or to even talk about having in the Nexus. This whole, you know, mind control, psionic powers, either whether it's a support or the complete opposite of that and be a tank, building that into how this hero would be brought to life. I mean, it is really, really neat. Uh I mean, final thoughts, Kristen. What do you think? Is this a is this a Protoss that we would see in the game someday? With as hard as it was to put this kit together, maybe not recently. But I ask you this: I've, uh, I'll answer your question with another question. <laughs> um, do you think they'd bring her in as the pure matriarch of the Dark Templar, or would they bring her in? with dark undertones because she's been infected by Kerrigan. Hmm. I would like to think that they would bring her in as the pure matriarch. Obviously that's what I built in comparison to what you did uh, in the build as well. Um, I think that they would do the pure matriarch form, but I don't know. I mean, that's a really good question. It'd be cool either way, right? Yeah, definitely. And maybe what they do, they bring in the pure version of her, and then one of the skins is inf- infected Rashigal. Yeah, like they did with Tychus, right? Yeah, exactly. So then you could still have the woman before all of the bad stuff happened. But, you know, if you want to pretend she's infected, you can. You totally can. That is a really, really cool idea. Anyway, it goes. She would be really awesome in the Nexus. Using mind power to control and to destroy, no matter how it would be. Uh, very, very cool. Kristen, where can people find you on the interwebs when you're not here on this show? When I'm not here, you can find me at underscore Kristen Ashton underscore. And I'm over at Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. And what game have we moved on to? A really cute, comfortable little puzzle game called Fez. I don't know if you've ever heard of this one, but it's about a two-dimensional little guy who gets a magical Fez, as far as I can tell, and he discovers a three-dimensional world. So the gameplay is your one hand controls move left, right, jump. The other hand controls turning, rotating the world to the different of three. I said fourth dimension, three dimensions. So it's hard. It must be hard. It's challenging, but it's not hard for hard's sake, if that makes sense. You feel aptly rewarded for figuring out what the puzzles are. That's awesome. Make sure you check out Kristen's stream. It is a ton of fun, as always. If you're looking for me, you can find me right here on Heroes Forge. We record the show every Sunday at 12 noon Pacific on twitch.tv slash TV because we are a part of the Amove TV Entertainment and Podcast Network. For more great esports and video game podcasts, make sure you check out amove.tv. Follow the show on Twitter at Forge Heroes. You can also cast your vote on which one of the two kits you think won the day over there. Send us an email. Contact heroesforge at gmail.com visit our website heroesforge.club a huge thank you to all of our patrons that are supporting this show again and uh, i mean we could not do the show without you guys so thank you so much for making this show a possibility also thank you to everybody that has given the show a five-star review on itunes you can download the show on any of your favorite podcasting apps itunes stitcher google play uh any of those places and uh, give it a listen a thank you to steven jonas again for becoming our newest patron of the show thank you thank you thank you uh and don't forget to listen to talking pictures we're going to record that next episode may 21st at 5 p.m pacific on twitch.tv slash dream destroyer and watch the truman show and send us your thoughts at 
TPA cast. All right, Kristen, any final thoughts before we call the show here? Any final thoughts? The Protoss are really cool. And I think Rashigal has shown us a few other iterations we could see in the Nexus that would keep it fresh, but also stay true to the lore. Absolutely. There are tons of Protoss in the game now. I mean, why not have more? I mean, we've talked about even more Protoss on this show that aren't even in there yet, which would be really fun. Mm-hmm. And they're a great race. They're it, they're great because they're the paladins, but their their culture is just as flawed as any other culture. Yeah, it's great. It's a great story. If you haven't played StarCraft, the original one, I'm going back and playing the remastered one because I got to get my lore on for these uh, for these uh, heroes because. Man, this was a really hard one. If you have thoughts on what we talked about today, don't forget to shoot us a tweet on our Twitter, and we will see you guys in the real world. 